sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work that Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What if this year you ignored all the voices in your head telling you what you should be and instead focus on finding the healthy habits and practices that just feel right for you. Here at Well and Good, we like to think of the new year as a time to renew, where the only thing we're thinking about detoxing from is a restrictive mindset. So what habits are we carrying with us? What assessments should we be making to jumpstart our own renew years? We have enlisted the help of three industry experts, Elizabeth Akinwale, Maya Feller, and Kim Snyder, to create plans designed to help you move your body, cook nourishing meals, and carve out space for self-care, one day at a time. You can, of course, find those over on our site, wellinggood.com, and on YouTube. Today on the pod, we're talking to them about when they feel they're most renewed and what rituals they utilize at the beginning of a new year. Everyone here kind of has a different perspective on wellness and well-being and um, what that can look like for us. So, without further ado, can I get a quick intro from all of you, starting with you, Maya? Hi, so nice to see you all. Uh, I'm Maya Feller, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and cookbook author. I have a private practice based in Brooklyn, and my team works with people who have a desire to reduce their risk for developing non-communicable conditions like diabetes, hypertension, and cardiovascular disease, or people who are at risk of developing those diseases. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here with you all. My name is Kimberly Snyder, and I am an author. I've authored six books on wellness, nutrition, 
Ayurveda spirituality. So I consider myself a holistic wellness expert. I like to focus a lot on self-care. I'm also the host of the Feel Good podcast, and I have a holistic wellness brand called Saluna. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Akinwale. I'm a strength coach and certified trainer um, here in Chicago. And I have a training facility here called 13th Flow. We're located in Bronzeville on the south side. Mm -hmm. um, and I work with all kinds of folks on training. I'm also trained as a social worker. So I'm really looking at people as a whole person um, perspective as we focus on enhancing well-being in life through physical training. Awesome. How would you describe New Year in a word? or the feelings that are associated with the new year. So not just this year, but kind of this time in general. Elizabeth, back to you. Um, for me, it really brings forth like a reflection. So the first part of that is closing out the last year. And um, whether or not I'm, you know, hugely into a particular, you know, change for the year, I think it just naturally also like birthdays do that for me is bringing on like a, a time of reflection, just a fresh perspective. Kim? So for me, the word that comes up particularly this year is alignment. And what I mean by that is I used to have these really elaborate goals for New Year's. I never really did resolutions, but all the things I wanted to accomplish in that year and my career and my personal life. And somewhere along the line, I had this big realization that it's really not about external things alone. It's really about our inner alignment and really aligning to who we are, our intuition, our heart, our voice. And so for me, New Year's um, this year, I don't have any specific goals per se, but it's really just about me being aligned to my values and to the person I want to be as much as I can in each moment. It's more internal for me now. So looking inward instead of outward, which has been a big shift for me the last few years. Yeah. And Maya. So I love everything that both Kimberly and Elizabeth have said. Um, and I guess I think about New Year in relation to myself personally, but then also myself as a provider. And when I'm working with patients and there's a new year, we're often you know, confronted with this like new year, new you, because I work in nutrition. And in my practice, we work to like reframe how people are actually thinking and interacting with food and really trying to take away the shame, the guilt associated with eating. And in dominant wellness culture, that's, you know, really pervasive and at the forefront. And so when I think about New Year from my patient perspective, I actually think about what is it that they want and that they've been working on in terms of the individual health goals and how can we create sustainable patterns that help them to go one step forward? Um, so that's what New Year is right now in my practice. And then personally, uh, I have a cookbook that's coming out in the new year and it's in pre-sale now. And I've never had an experience like this around publication. And so I'm going into it very like open heart, open eyes, open to take what is coming, which is, as Kimberly said, very different than I've ever stepped into the new year. Oh, I love it. Congratulations <laughs> on your book. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, kind of like piggybacking off what you were saying or just what came to mind, Maya, is 
you know, obviously fitness and nutrition are, you know, similar and intersecting spaces in particular. And um, especially around like sort of toxicity around New Year's resolutions and New Year's stuff. And when you were speaking, it made me think of like almost giving people permission to not fall into the same trap. And again, both of those areas, it's in my opinion, it has to be a lifelong ongoing. There's going to be ups and downs. Um and just releasing people from the shame, like you said, and from the expectation or those external forces that are so strong and so overwhelming um, in our culture, especially around these areas. Yeah. Mm. I would love to piggyback off what you guys are saying. It just, it feels like it's all building because fitness and nutrition are um, very tangible and there is a lot of pressure on our society to get in better shape or to eat healthier my bucket, the part of the program that I'm honored to head up is self-care, which I think sometimes in the past has been approached as sort of this fluffy, optional, <laughs> extraneous thing. Whereas our approach in the program is saying really self-care in its deepest sense is connecting back to the true self, right? Connecting back to your essence, to your soul, to your unique energy that we all have. And when we filter things through that, there's way less confusion. Oh, my friend is following this diet or my friend does Pilates. Maybe I should to look like this. So we start to just feel what's right for each of us as individuals because we're all unique. And like you, you were saying, if it's just linear and heady and what society is telling us, we really never get to that place of feeling good, which is about being whole and connected to ourself. So to me, self-care is not an optional thing. It's creating more stillness and silence so we can hear our intuition, so we can listen to our bodies and what's right for us. Yeah. Oh yes, now I have to piggyback. <laughs> This is going to be a piggyback, piggyback. We're so, so connected. Right. So Kimberly, I love, right, that intuition. And we've been talking about society and dominant norms. And I feel like it's worth naming it. From my perspective in nutrition, we center people with thinness, right? We mm. center people who eat only fruits and vegetables, um, and that is kind of the gold standard for how we define being healthy. And so in my practice, we do a lot of work with patients around what does that look like when you don't have thinness? What does that look like if you're in a different body? What does that look like if your pattern of eating is not in line with what dominant wellness culture says is quote unquote healthy? Um, and so I feel like as we're stepping into the new year and I, you know, have read kind of what all of us have been talking about, like we're committed to really helping people do that intuitive work, really helping people center themselves in their individual journey so that they can really do this thing called life and show up in a way that feels authentic for them. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, you guys are just making this so easy for us today because something I really want to talk about is I think there's a lot of listeners, a lot of people who understand that they need to get away, get off the hamster wheel. It's real aligned goals for themselves, but I think it's one thing to talk about it and another thing to actually practice that. Do you have practices or kind of tools you coach with to help people actually listen to themselves to find that inner alignment instead of seeking external validation. So if I could jump in with something that I love talking about this because 
to your to your point, we put a lot of emphasis on New Year, but every morning we wake up from this altered place of consciousness known as sleep. <laughs> so in a sense, every morning is a sense to create a day, an experience, what we want, right? It's like decide who we want to be. And so for me, when I work with clients, when I work with my readers, I always encourage them to focus initially and strongly on the morning practice. Because I firmly believe what we do from the time we wake up in that first hour has a profound impact on our energy, on our day, on our self-connection. So for me, that involves as close as possible to waking up. And I know we're all busy and I have two young kids, but I try to do it before they're awake as I sit up and I meditate. And when I do that, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, it does connect you to your breath, to your body. It's taking us out of this constant pull of our um, peripheral nervous system out in the senses back into our central nervous system, back into breathing, you know, more intuitive um, alignment. Like Maya was saying, am I really hungry? What am I supposed to be eating? Clarity, energy. And then I, the, I like the Ayurvedic practice as well, starting the day with hot water with lemon, just to put something warm into your body because we're so heady and we get out of bed, we're already on social media, we're on TikTok or we're on our emails instead of really centering in with us. When we do that, we tend to make better decisions that are right for us. So I know the day gets crazy and I know there's a lot of variance in fitness and, and, and nutrition, like all the things that we wanna do, but I find in the morning, if we really take that time to connect and nurture, we are more aligned for the rest of the day. So it, it also takes the pressure off, like it's New Year's or we mess up versus, hey, Every day is a fresh start and it's these small steps that really add up in big, profound ways. So it doesn't have to feel like all this pressure. Yeah. I think all of these things, you know, really are ideally, you know, blended and packaged together. Um, and so I look at training similarly in terms of just as a practice and an exercise to come into yourself and into your body. So if you step into my gym, it's like, okay, whatever time you're arriving, you're taking a couple of deep breaths, like really coming mm -hmm. into your body. And as you're working, you're, you're feeling, you're instructing, you're connecting your, your mind and your body. Um, so it's like a, it's an active practice of, of coming into yourself. Um, I actually do the same thing. I like to meditate in the mornings. Mm -hmm. um, I do find it difficult on certain days because I, my schedule is different on different days. So like if I have to be at the gym at five, it's really hard for me to block out the amount of time I would take on maybe another day that I'm not reporting in so early. But what I think is super helpful is realizing that if you are able to have a, a practice, a meditation practice, it, it brings those benefits sort of closer and more, more accessible. So then if you are literally at a stoplight, taking those mindful breaths, you know, taking two minutes at the gym to sit and take mindful breaths. So when you're building everything as a practice that's continuous over time, like we're saying, it's not just new year, it's all the time. And in creating that accessibility to be able to use those tools to your benefit. Um, but like strongly agree, just finding ways where you're detaching from all the other stimulus and just almost tunnel vision coming, turning into your body, into yourself, I think is essential just as a basic mental health practice. Cause this, this world will like drive you crazy. <laughs> you know, something that I learned from my patients and I think when I was studying to become a dietitian, there was this overarching idea that, you know, people work on this like nine to five schedule or 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. schedule. And I quickly learned that actually life exists on a 24 hour schedule 
once I began to interact with large groups of people. And almost everything that I'd been taught in a textbook got turned on its head once I went out into the community. And I used to ask things like, what did you have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner? And it's now been reframed to, what was the first meal that you had at the start of your day? With the understanding that Mm. each person that's coming in is coming in with a different set of variables. They're coming in with a different set of health literacy, with nutrition literacy, with different abilities, with different cognitive abilities, you know, different socioeconomic status, access to food, access to even workspaces that allow them to stop and breathe. And so as I work with my patients and I think about the tools, I'm always thinking about, well, okay, where are you? And where are the areas that you have the desire to modify? And what does your health look like? And how can we create nutrition, health, and wellness routines that further strengthen your desires and keep you coming back to that health forward behavior, whatever it may be? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I often say food is like religion. It's like, imagine if I told every single person listening, you are all kosher today. They would say, well, what right do you have to come in and upend my life based on your own ideas? But we do that all the time in wellness. You should, you must, this is the way. When in fact, individuals have to really do that inward listening that Kimberly was talking about and find their own way with nutrition. And because we have a country, especially in the US, of people who are not well, right? The majority of people living in this country are sick. So that's why I always put the health spin. I'm not trying to healthify everything, but I am saying that there is space to do, especially with relation to those chronic illnesses. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's also like when we start talking about new year, new you, it also puts this pressure on people that we have to acquire something else. Like we're not enough. We're broken. We're not whole. We're lacking. So maybe it's more supplements or more biohacking, or I need all these new beauty products, or I need to suddenly like change who I am to be this new version. But really I found the opposite to be true. And this is what the yogis have always taught is the true self is here, right? Our intuition, our unique energy, our wisdom is inside. So it's really peeling off the layers of the ego of, you know, the falseness, trying to be something that we're not. And part of that is this constant 
game that, you know, we get sort of lured into of like, buy more, be more versus actually, if I tune into, uh, I say this word, it's a big part of my life now, silence, stillness, listening what's there, letting it rise up instead of this constant chasing, which we know is so inflammatory and creates just havoc in our nervous systems, which then upend our digestive systems and, and impact our immune systems. So it's more for me now, um, reframing it for people. And I think we do that in a great way in our program is just saying, oh, tune into yourself and let this wisdom rise up. It's inside of you. It's not, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to run around and frantically try to obtain something. Just let it emerge. And, you know, as a recovering perfectionist, I say of myself, <laughs> it's been such a revelation to relax more into who we are and give ourselves that permission. Um, so it's a different framework. And I hope that, you know, we can share that with people and inspire them to see that they're not lacking anything. The magic, like the great yoga guru, Paramahansa Yogananda says, it's already in there, right? It's just connecting to that true self magic in each of us. Um, just listening to Kimberly, you know, a word that is, is a huge guiding principle for me as a, just as a person and as a professional is simplicity. We're almost resourced out. Like there are so many resources. There are so many, you know, extravagant plans for this, that, and the other. I think paring things down, um, listening to yourself. So you will get the feedback. Um, a lot of times, maybe the things we need to do aren't what we want to do. So I think, I think sometimes it can be oversimplified into like, listen to your body. Yes, absolutely. Listen to your body. Um, I look at it as if I were parenting my body. So I listen to my son, but he's, he doesn't have the experience I have. He doesn't have the knowledge I have. He doesn't have the developed brain that I have. So I'm still, I'm still guiding and directing him while I listen to his feedback and his experience. So with my body, I'm listening to my body's feedback, but I'm also applying, you know, information and, and like more logic than might be there if I just listen to my body. Right. So if we want to achieve a certain thing, something might have to change. So if my knees hurt every day, in order to, to feel less pain, I might have to do some leg strengthening exercises, let's say. That's, unfortunately, our society has attached a huge value judgment to the whole scenario. So instead of it being like a cut and dry thing, well, this is the input and this is the, this is the input and this is the expected outcome and this is what I'm looking for. Um, it becomes like, well, I'm a bad person or I'm whatever label. Um, and so I just try to simplify everything down as much as possible listen stillness so that we can hear listening keeping it simple um but guiding from a place of like what is the outcome that is the long-term outcome or the broader outcome that i'm looking for i mean maybe sometimes that's not what i would like at this moment to do if that makes sense 100 percent. i feel like that's the nuance right? right i mean we do know right we live in a very binary society right we know that it is like either you're good or you're bad. It's a yes or a no, but there's so much that happens in the gray. And especially when we're talking about people, when we're talking about the human body, when we're talking about impacting outcomes, there is nuance and there's so much more gray than there is yes and no. Mm -hmm. So I hear you 100%, Elizabeth, when you're saying, you know, if you have pain in this spot, we're going to have to talk about modifying behaviors to help you reduce your pain. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it's the same thing with nutrition. If I have a patient that comes in, right, and they've got some type of GI distress, well, I've got to work with them. I've got to work with their entire care team and figure out the root cause of that GI distress. And then together, we've got to find a sustainable plan that gets them one step closer to feeling less discomfort. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of nuance in there. And those one step closers, those little victories are so important because then it lets the person see for themselves the impact that something can have versus you, like you were saying earlier, is someone coming in and saying, you know, you're kosher today or whatever, is is getting just getting enough buy-in to try something and then feel the difference, experience it. So you're 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 experiencing that for yourself instead of like an external force, you know, dictating. Mm-hmm. And and part of that, I think, is when we develop that self-connection. We're talking about moving into what is right for me, what feels good to me. And this has been part of my journey in working with, with clients as well, is not tying our worth so much to numbers, which are very finite, right? So it's how much do I weigh? How many calories did I eat? Like looking at all the numbers of what we're lifting or what we're doing or how many times we're in class. And some of this is very helpful and we can be curious and it can give us you know, more guide, guidance. But when we tie our worth to it, you know, um, and I know because I used to be an obsessed dieter, Maya I was very much, oh my gosh, I gained five pounds. It was so stress inducive. And so I think as a society, we honor the wholeness. We honor that we're unique beings and we are not defined just by numbers, right? And we know in social media today, TikTok or how big our salaries are or how many followers we have. It's just uh, so many numbers come in and try the external forces you were mentioning, Elizabeth, try to make us feel something. And often it's lack, often it's not enough. So I found, again, this is where the deep, deep, unshakable inner anchor is so helpful with meditation, introspection, journaling, taking these pauses before we eat. Maya was saying just being in this space of self-validation more allows us to be less susceptible to giving our power away and our worth to what society thinks is the right number. Um, And when we do that, the more we we connect into this formless energy, which cannot be defined by, by numbers quantitatively, we really do take back our worth. And I feel that that true confidence really does radiate out into different parts of our life where we are more confident about this is the right way for me to eat, or this is the right way for me to move my body, or this is a toxic relationship, or this is a really great work relationship or whatever it is. So it really just starts to permeate our whole lives. And then we start to see the interconnectedness of this, what is wellness and all the things that we're building with our self-care and our, and our new year. You know, Kimberly, that totally makes me think of something that I often say when I'm teaching nutrition workshops. And when patients come to see dietitians that work in a clinical setting, we ask for your labs because we want to take a look at where your complete blood count is, where your glucose is, where you know your cholesterol is. We want to look at your C-reactive protein, all of these markers, and we look at these numbers. The thing that's fascinating about that, and Kimberly, you completely brought this up for me, is that we assign a judgment before the person even walks in the door based on those numbers. That's how we've been taught. And Mm. so I often say when I'm teaching other providers, I say, how do you look at those numbers? What is it that you can do, right, in creating this anti-bias practice that allows that person to walk through the door and tell you their story 
and you can listen mm. without judgment because you don't know why someone's C-reactive protein is high. Perhaps they live mm -hmm. in a place where they're experiencing food apartheid. You don't know that, but maybe you're thinking, oh, this person eats fast food all the time and you want to shame them based on that. But you don't know what's going on, right? Yes. So I love that you're saying we're more than just a number because as whole people, there are life variables, there are environmental variables that inform those numbers and they may yes. or may not have meaning, right? So yes. that, I, I absolutely love that you said that. And it's something that, you know, I think I try to unpack in my forthcoming cookbook, the, the front matter some people are going to love it and some people are going to be like, whoa. Um, but the front matter in eating from our roots, like I really try to separate us from these binary discussions around wellness while, and allow us to take the individual, the whole person, your circumstance, social determinants of health into consideration. Because I have patients that I've worked with who work for New York City Transit and I would love for them to start their day in a particular way, but when they have to report to work at 12.59 a.m., which means that they had to get up, you know, at, you know, 10 p.m. and they had to go to bed at four in the afternoon, that's like nothing that most of us have never experienced. Now we're really talking about how do I modify what I'm thinking and really meet that person where they are and like reframe all of it. So I'm like really aware. Well, and something I just want to hold in this conversation is really keeping that perspective for yourself as well. It's incredible to have practitioners that are working to operate from a non-biased perspective, but we're so biased against ourselves as individuals. And how do we hold on to that perspective that like you, what you are dealing with is different than anyone else. And you need to find the change, the sameness, whatever it is that you need for your individual experience. There is a question I want to ask, and I would I really want all of your thoughts on, and it's something that we've been kicking around a little bit at Well and Good, and I think that the top of the year is a really good time to ask this, and it's, is wellness hard? I think if you read the internet, if you're on social media, there's a thousand different yeah. answers and things to do to change and be and try and explore, but is wellness hard? Well-being hard? I, I would love to jump in to start. Well, for one thing... Um... We live in a society that makes wellness very hard. I think just existing as a human, like I kind of joke to myself, um, you know, just, just taking care of your body and yourself is a full-time job. Like I need at least a day to like get grocery shopping done, get laundry, you know, just the basic tasks of managing as a, as, as a human being takes more time than most of us have um, when we are also trying to survive economically and, and just function in our world. So I think from that perspective, it is challenging. You know, Maya was saying, you know, the majority of people are, are unwell. It's not easy. It's not a given. And I think, you know, wellness is definitely a spectrum. So, you know, what does that mean for each person? What is what what does being well mean? Um, but I do think that like the answers, you know, Kimberly's been like hitting on it a lot today is just like it's so much inside of you. And um, I think one of the challenges I, I think about quite a bit um, about what like Maya, you were saying about the, you know, the barriers and, the, and like social determinants of health is how do we, within those restraints and constraints, then what do we do? I'm, again, I'm a social worker. I'm invested in, in you know, improving the conditions, 
but that's a long-term process for all of us, you know, collectively. So what do we do both collectively, communal care and self-care? So how do we, how do we do both of those pieces? And I think all of us are working in fields that it's part of caring about that. But I think the way to simplify it is, is turning it inside um, and looking at yourself as an expert on yourself and that you're trying to build expertise on yourself. I agree 100%. Like, I love what Kimberly has been saying around creating spaces for the individual to be able to engage in that rep internal kind of look and also looking back. Um, I was reading something the other day about creating brave spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do think also in food and nutrition that we would be prudent to teach people how to create brave food, nutrition, and nourishment spaces for themselves because it is so multi-layered and there is no one way into that brave space. It's going to look, that pathway is going to look different for everyone. And one, some of the things that I've learned from my patients are when we're thinking about wellness is, yeah, it's really hard, right? It's a radical act to actually prioritize you because you're looked at as being lazy. <laughs> if you say, I need a rest, just like Kimberly said, right? We've got all these numbers that we use as metrics. And when we say, I will not be number driven. People are like, well, you're just opting out because you're not good enough. Um, And so I do think this practice of saying I'm centering me, I'm centering me unapologetically. I am the expert in my own lived experience. And it is okay for me to slow down, take a breath, take a rest is kind of the entry point for nutrition, physical activity, you know, restorative practices, um, the work that Kimberly does, self-care, right? (laughs) Um, And so I feel like there's synergy between all of our areas as we're helping people to say like, okay, you know, you can make a resolution at any time and you can make multiple resolutions throughout the day um, and you have permission to do all or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, both of you. Um, You know, the question, Ella, is it hard? I think if we look at society and how unwell most people are, we can say that the process that we've been taught or that we've been led to believe this is the way to wellness is not, not only is it not easy, but it's quite a deterrent. It's confusing and it's intimidating and it really does invoke those lack-based feelings. So, this is the reason that I was really inspired to write my last book, which actually just came out in soft cover. It's called You Are More Than You Think You Are. And the whole book is essentially about tuning into your true self. And this isn't something I was taught growing up. I don't think a lot of us are taught until I studied yoga and the Vedas years later is that we actually have two parts of us. We have the ego. We have the very heady part, the very linear part. This is the part that's always wanting to consume information and know what everybody's doing and wants to compare pictures on Instagram. But then there is this intuitive part of us. And wellness doesn't have to be hard. If we learn to listen to our hearts, that will guide us. Hmm. 
maybe, you know, today I, I, I need a different kind of food or I need a different type of workout. And there are very solid practices I teach like batching social media or introspective journaling to help uncover that. But it is such an underutilized tool, I think, in wellness and in life is our intuition. So you're not going to go out and, and be able to buy it. Our society is always telling us the magic pill, you're on or you're off, you're cleansing or you're binging, you're on your cheat day or you're this or that, right? Instead of just saying, well, you know, moment to moment, day by day, if I'm guided more and more by my heart and by my intuition, and by the way, there's there's research around this in, in my new book. It's not just woo-woo, like, oh yeah, that sounds nice. We're actually shown that all these Nobel Prize winning laureate scientists were talking about how intuition really helped to guide their experiments and the directions of their scientific research. So there's just this part of us that we're saying it's not quantitative. It can't just be listed, but it's a part of us, this unique energy. And I think wellness starts to flow more, the less we're comparing and always looking out and the more we listen to ourselves. And so that's a very um, practical skill that can be taught. Yeah, I hope we all tune into it more because it's it takes away that competitive, um, stressful way of looking at wellness. Oh, do you know there's one thing that I would add to this, right, is community. I mean, look at the incredible connection of the three of us together in conversation. And I would add that for the individual as well, you know, to find community spaces that strengthen you and actually add rather than take away. Mm -hmm. Love it. I think that comment is so timely, um, particularly in the context of COVID, COVID world. And also um, as we look at like increasing DEI focus is you know, like you just said, going places where it's adding to your existence, not you sort of being something to be counted um, as, you know, whatever category that you're filling in a space, just fully signing on like community wellness and uh, connection is, is also key as, you know, as a part of wellness, whether it's the social interaction being, you know, essential for us, or just like looking out for each other, because as as you go, I go, it, it, we can't be well if, if the ones around us aren't well, so. That's true. We're all yeah. connected. We're all brothers and sisters. And we got uh, much deeper than the idea of renewal and renew year on this call, which I'm very excited <laughs> about. I'm excited. We've done renew year a couple years in a row, or like ten years in a row, guys. So I'm I'm happy to not just be having that conversation. Um, but I do want to end because this is part of renew year. What you know, we think about renewing and renew year as you're already enough. How do you reconnect with the pieces of you that make you feel good? And that's obviously what we talked about today. What are you doing? when you feel the most renewed? So for me, it's, it's you know, we're all busy. I've got two young kids, as I mentioned, and I have my business and writing and a podcast. So for me, I, even in the midst of busy life, silence and stillness are essential for me. So that's putting aside time for meditation or I go on a walk by myself. I turn off my phone. These, these practices I have during the day help me feel connected to who I am. Otherwise, I don't know who I am, right? I'm just lost. I'm trying to, you know, take care of everybody else. I'm frazzled. I'm afraid. So for me, truly honoring that time to listen and to self-connect, to fill our own cup up is my essential practice. I would say I feel the most renewed when I've had the opportunity to have some solitude and quiet in my own practices. 
and then and then get to be like laughing with people I love. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I would say that I'm the most renewed with probably three areas um, when I'm well nourished, when I'm well rested, and like Elizabeth, where there is an abundance of joy. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. On today's show, you heard from Elizabeth Akinwale, Maya Feller, and Kim Snyder. This episode was scripted, edited, and mastered by Sarah Gabrielli and produced by Taylor Camille, Abby Stone, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenny Gibson and Karina Masonette. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. <laughs>